Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. This is a view from the Bullins podcast. Listen to all the latest news and inside track from Goodison Park. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. 
Hello and welcome back to another episode from A View from the Bullings. And this is a very, very special episode. This is the Everton International Podcast. We've got Tim Olsen from Perth in Australia, Jeff Warner, Cincinnati in the US, Tony Sampson, Chicago Evertonians, who's also part of the Fans Forum at Everton Football Club, and Helga Grunvag from Norway, and he is part of the Norway Supporters Club. Guys, we're really, really proud to have you on board this evening and talk all things Everton. Ben is also with us, Ben Winstanley, part of the A View from the Bullions podcast. Tony, I'm going to come to you first, if you don't mind. A big introduction for you. How did you end up supporting Everton? Nice to be uh, nice to be part of the conversation this morning, and thanks for thanks for inviting me on. Uh, like like many other people, as you can probably tell from my accent, and even though I'm living in Chicago now, I'm a I'm a scouser, um, so I was no different to hundreds of thousands and millions of other um, people that grew up in a city where you know football just becomes a is is, is a way of life, I suppose. And uh, I became an Evertonian through my dad. He'd been supporting Everton um, since he was a kid. I think he used to start going when he was sort of as early as sort of 10 years old and you know it just becomes ingrained as part of your family life and when I was growing up and you know obviously got into football he used to tell me about you know his times growing up as a blue and you know I could see what it meant to him he was able to tell me about some of the the fantastic experiences that he'd had I I remember particularly and telling me about sort of going to Wembley for the 66 FA Cup final and you know we fought back from 2-0 2-0 down to win 3-2 and and you know it was experiences like that that you know it just sort of really sparked me curiosity and you know I used to pretend to be all my favourite players when I was kicking a ball in the in the back garden or uh, you know against the, against the back wall and and that, and that was it really you know you as soon as you start to do that you start watching the game on the telly and like everybody else you know you you kind of get hooked and you know really want to you know want to want to feel part of you know this thing that it, that is Everton and you know my dad that always sort of made it sound sort of like this sort of magical experience as well. He used to be a cobbler. Um, well, that was one of the jobs that he'd done when he was growing up. And he had a, you know, he had a, a shoe repair shop in in, in Bootle, not that, not that far from the ground. And I can remember him telling me that he used to mend Brian LeBone's shoes. Um, so again, he used to sort of, you know, tell me, you know, he, he played a part in, you know, in, in the great Brian LeBone's career as well. So there was this sort of mystique about it as well. And then, you know, I can remember, you know, he, he started taking me, I think, when I was about six years old. And, um, you know, as as many people will have said before me, you know, as soon as you you taste that experience, then then there's absolutely uh, no no looking back at all. And we used to, he started taking me in, um, obviously, when there was terrace in, in, in the old paddock, we used to sit in the, on the, on the, on the barriers uh, in the corner by the Gladys Street. And, and that was it. That was the, you know, the start of, well, it's a love affair, isn't it? You know, as, as many famous Evertonians have said, and I've never, I've never looked back, uh, never looked back since. We think I've had season tickets in every part of the ground. Still got season tickets now with uh, my dad, who's ninety this summer. Uh, my own two boys, and uh, and that's it. We've we, we've never looked back. Absolutely, absolutely hooked on on the club that we all love. Ben, mm, and I don't really want to divert too much, but I know you've been talking to Tony for a number of number of weeks, as have a whole group regarding the atmosphere at Goodison Park. And can you kind of tell me or tell the listeners what sort of efforts and, and words that people like Tony from across the pond have been telling the fans what to do, how to do it, and getting involved? 
it's just a massive hats off to Tony over it, obviously in Chicago, because it just shows that the, the global impact of this club. And even though you're from well, from the city of Liverpool, it never leaves. She does it, but Tony and a few other podcast groups and a few other fan groups are in like a, a WhatsApp group together. Um, we get ideas from all over the supporters clubs internationally, from friends, from anyone. It's a really inclusive and open WhatsApp. And Tony's a, a really main speaker in there. He comes up with loads and loads of ideas. Um, obviously, over the past few months, we've had a lot of pro-reaction to the atmosphere we're trying to push at Goodison Park, especially with how diabolical our season has been. And this has kind of been the season where the fans have got together and unified more than I've ever known it and kind of dragged our football club out of this mess. So we're definitely trying to. And the home form under Frank Lampard speaks for itself. You look at the Newcastle game, the Leeds game, the Manchester United game, and the flags, the banners, the the work that goes on behind the scenes, even down to the minor details and such things as like the music that's played before the game, the music that's played a full time. And it's just so good to have it on a global stage that you have an input. Some people are with the other side of the world and the way we try and communicate with one another, we plan times together. And this is for me on a personal level has been the best season. I know we've been really poor off it, but off the field, it's been incredible. Obviously meeting people like Tony and, doing the spaces that we do and have people on from all over Europe, all over the world. Um, it's just incredible. It just shows how amazing and unbelievable this football club is, the fan base. And hats off to all these people in this this uh, Zoom call this evening for the podcast because they're apps, every single one of them is incredible. And they're all showing their strength and power and unity this year, which has been unbelievable. So hats off to you all. Yeah, absolutely, Bennett. And talk about Evertonians across the world. And now we're going to go from Chicago, which was Tony, over to Cincinnati in the US with, with Jeff Warner. Jeff, we're really, really grateful that you've chosen to come on this episode this evening. You tell us, how did you end up supporting Everton Football Club? Yeah, thank you for, for having me. I appreciate it. Um, yeah, my, uh, my Everton story, I think, starts out just like a lot of Americans that uh, wanted to, to choose an English football team to support. Um, but being my personality, I, I, was, I was never going to be a United fan. I was never going to be an Arsenal fan or a Chelsea fan or a fan of our neighbors. Um, so also being a journalist, I think I took my search a little more uh, serious. Uh, I, I did a lot of studying and reading on... The history of English football um, went back to the original Football League of 1888. Um, and, and, and as you as you look into the history of English football, of course, Everton, can, the name Everton continues to pop up uh, because of all the innovations and contributions that the clubs made to the game. Um, I was familiar with Everton uh, because of Tim Howard, obviously, and Landon Donovan. Um, I did not want to choose a club um, just because they had American players, uh, that was really a non-factor for me. Um, as luck would have it, I had a friend here in Cincinnati uh, who I knew was from England. I did not know he was from Liverpool, and I had no idea he was uh, his. He and his family were lifelong Blues, um, but he caught wind of the fact that I was looking for a team to support and that I was considering Everton. And he said, let's go out for a few pints. And he told me story after story about going to the matches, about his friends and family, generations of, of blues. Um, and at that point, I was, I was sold. It, um, it sounded like everything that, that I wanted. But even at that point, my, uh, 
my objective was really just to find a team to support. Maybe I'd buy a kit. I'd have had have a club to follow. But as we know, you don't just casually follow Everton. Um, so Everton has become a bigger part of my life than I ever could have imagined. Um, and even with the, the the struggles on the pitch, it's uh, I, I never for a second at any moment regretted my decision. Um, just the friends I've made, um, not just in Cincinnati and other parts of the U.S., but uh, so many friends that I've made in Liverpool, um, other parts of the world. Um, the opportunity to go to the city of Liverpool, <clears throat> experience the culture, the music, um, the people, everything about it. Um, and I think of everything that Everton has kind of brought into my life, and it's been incredible. It, it goes, it goes beyond. It goes beyond football. It's just been, it's been an amazing experience, uh, and I've I've enjoyed uh, every moment, even even with the the frustrations and the difficult situation that the club is in now. Um, just being a part of Everton Football Club has been an amazing experience for me. It's interesting, isn't it, Ben? Because just quickly, we hear that a lot, don't we, from overseas overseas ever turning to say you know, it's more than just the game it's actually feeling a part of something and it, i know we have our struggles on the pitch but off the pitch when we hear things like that we do then realize that we just what a fantastic group and what a fantastic fan base we actually have yeah definitely 110 percent mick it's that's what's so good about this football club the community literally we, we i could never meet any of these lads and as soon as i met them face to face we'd get on like a house on fire and that there's no there's no toxic traits towards anyone globally. It's none of this, oh, you've got to be a scouser to support Everton. It, it's all rubbish because I'm so proud to be a part of this football club where we are inclusive of global fan base. And it can only have a positive impact on Everton Football Club, the business side of things, um, the way we can like go around the whole of the continents throughout the, the globe and really have followings. I, I honestly take my hats off to everyone. Um who obviously all over the world who gets up at like two o'clock in the morning. I see tweets sometimes going up at two, few, having breakfast before watching Everton and, and like three, four o'clock in the morning. It's absolutely insane, but it just shows you that everyone has the same passion for this football club. And I'm absolutely loving these stories of how obviously Jeff went away there, looked at like the history, looked a bit more in depth and what he wants to follow in football. And he's, and he's, he's chose Everton. That's unbelievable. That just shows how special this football club is. And we, we had the privilege of obviously meeting Jeff recently at one of our the Bullens U events and all the lads from American Toffees that came over and they obviously came to one of our events at the beer keller and they fitted right in. They were the, literally a party of the whole show. They, they stood out, they were cheering and I was all for it. They made the night so, so special, Mick. And you can obviously back that up as well. They were brilliant and a lot of them bought a lot of memorabilia, which obviously paid a massive, massive part of our contributions towards obviously what's going on in Ukraine um, and obviously obviously helping sponsor grassroots football here in England, here in South Liverpool. So the generosity and just on a, on a large scale is incredible. And like I said, I'm so glad, I'm so proud to have these lads coming on our podcast telling us about their experience and how they've grown Um and now they've chosen this magnificent football club because we deserve so much better as a fan base because, like we've touched on, it hasn't been the best season so far, has it? No, you're absolutely right, Ben. It was absolutely special to have some of the US supporters over for our event and it really did make the night and I really, really do mean that. And I couldn't thank them enough for, for coming. So going from Chicago, Cincinnati, we're now going to go to Perth in Australia. 
where we have Tim Olson. Tim, thanks for coming on. We really, really appreciate it. I'm sure it's very, very early where you are in, in the morning. So can you tell us, how did you end up supporting Everton? Oh, thanks for having me on. I apologize to all the uh, listeners who thought that I might have an Australian accent, but uh, I'm actually an American living in Australia. Um, I'm here because of a woman, a good woman. Um, but uh, uh, how did I start supporting Everton? So it's a funny story. I, you know, as Americans, and I didn't grow up in America, I grew up overseas and played. And, uh, and you get to understand football as you begin to play it. And, and I really wanted to find a club, I wanted to find somewhere where I was able to feel comfortable supporting them. And, and again, like Jeff said, I wasn't ever going to go for one of the bigger boys, um, although they are a little bit more visible. Um, it, you, you, you hear the term uh, born, not manufactured. And I think that's so true, especially for me. Once I found Everton, uh, it just felt right. Um, it just felt like a fit for the, the club ethos, the, the history, the, the connections. And then I began to meet other people who are Everton fans. And, and that just sealed the deal. Every single person I met, whether they were from Liverpool or had never been, was, you know, they were just lovely and awesome. And, and you, like Ben had said earlier, you, once you meet them, you just feel like you're friends and you've got this common connection and, and, you, and you can go from there. Um, and so in, yeah, I guess it was like 1995, I guess when they won the FA Cup, um, I was beginning to, you know, really search for a club and, and saw that happen. Um, and then I had a friend who was from the UK and he was telling me about, you know, football in the UK and whatnot. And so when we graduated high school, he went back to the UK. I went back to the States and, um, he, he would send me emails of the, uh, of the newspaper. So this is back in the day when you could just start to begin to send pictures in the email and they would come over line by line, you know? And so I would open up his email and open up his picture and, you know, the, the one line at a time would come down the screen and eventually I would be able to see whether Everton won or not. Um, so we've come a long way from there where we're, where we're connecting like this on a global scale. Um, but yeah, I would just say that the connections that I have and, and, and once you're, once you're in at once Everton's been in you, you, you can't leave them there. It's just the way it goes. Very, very interesting. And, from Chicago, Cincinnati, Perth, and I'm going to fly all the way across the side of the world to Norway. Helga Grunvag, part of the Norway Supporters Club. Helga, can you tell us your story? How did you end up supporting Everton in Norway? Hello, guys. Uh, first of all, thanks for having me on. Um, my story is a bit different from the others. Um, uh, back in the 80s, I had an uncle. He, he used to travel a lot to, to Merseyside, uh, buying and selling steel. <laughs> and uh, he's, he's just managed to pull off a big deal with a, with a big company. We're out in the restaurant celebrating on the evening. And he was handed an, an Everton shirt. Uh, well, when he got home, I was the only one in the family who could fit it. So that's how I became an Evertonian. Um, I'm, I'm grown up in a, in a Liverpool family. My father is a, is a massive red, and my uncle who gave me the Everton shirt is a massive red. So uh, my uncle has... has told me numerous times over the years that, he, that if I knew when I started back then, I would never give you that shirt, he said. So it's a, it's a bit of a different story than the others. But um, no, I'm, I've been supporting Everton since the mid-80s. And um, 
even though we're having a bad season, I mean, the support for the club and the love for the club this is just goes every week, doesn't it? Mm, everything happens for a reason, how that's for certain. It doesn't matter how you become an yeah. Evertonian, everything happens for a reason. So that's your story of why you're an Evertonian in Norway. So then coming all the way back to the UK in Liverpool, south of Liverpool, we have Ben Wynn Stanley. Ben, how did you end up supporting Everton when we are pretty much sharing the city with Liverpool? How did you end up being a blue? Uh, well, I'm talking from South Liverpool, Mick, but I'm actually from, obviously, the Willows, you well know. Um, so, I'm born into a family of Evertonians. My dad's an Evertonian, my granddad was an Evertonian, and by, by an Evertonian, I mean they're the most bitterest people on the planet, where it's Everton is the only way. Um, my dad's ch- took me to the game ever since I was a young boy, from what I can remember, I've had some great times with him. Um, and they're the moments that I'm probably going to cherish most. Um, more than anything else, any other memories I can think of is going to the game with my dad, getting a pack of Everton mints, going through the tunnel over to Liverpool, and just to feel the atmosphere at such a young age. It hit me like a ton of bricks, and it was something I got hooked on. Um, obviously, through work commitments and that, it kind of like trailed off a bit. But over the past few seasons, I've got really back into it, tried to go as much as possible. I take my dad as much as I can now to try and repay the favour. And it just—it's it, magnificent, isn't it? The way that you can be brought into this, 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 this club and the pathway, and it started off with my dad taking me, and now I'm taking my dad. And he—he he was there when we beat Newcastle one 0 this season, and a Woby scored, and he was there for the three uh, 0 when we beat Leeds. Um, and he turned around to me and said, "It's the most enjoyable matches I have ever been to in a long, long time." And it, it hits you like a ton of bricks because. You're now repaying the favour for all them years where he's took you the game. He's put his arm round you when in defeat, and and for him to say that, and obviously that was discussed of how bad of a season we've been. It. He said Goodison Park special. It's so special to him. He's been there probably like a few people on here. They, they've done the seventies, eighties. He's seen it. He's seen Everton win. But he said like go, go in the match with his lad, and I've got another younger brother as well who comes as well. And he said just go in the match. With uh, with me lads is the best thing you can ask for and it's just special isn't it how much you can like cherish these moments in life so that's how I became a blue mick born into the most bitterest Everton family going <laughs> so now we've spoke to the panel and the, everyone who's overseas internationally or even here in Liverpool now we're going to talk about the overseas blue experience and Tony I'm going to come to you first in Chicago so a lot of Evertonians or a lot of football fans do always feel or think shall I say how do you support a football club when you live halfway across the world? How do you make that happen? How does it work for you? How do you watch the team play? So what is it like, Tony, for you in Chicago? As an Evertonian, what's it like? How do you follow the team and how do you stay in touch? Well, yeah, we, we moved out here just over three years ago. Uh, we were actually living down south in, in the UK, even though we travelled up to, you know, we still had season tickets and travelled up to every home game. But yeah, moving out here and obviously when something as big as Everton is a part of your life and you're moving away from home and you, you know, you're moving away from family and the very people that, you know, have got you into, you know, this Everton religion in, in the very beginning. Um, you know, one of the very first things we did when we moved out was, well, me and my, my two lads was, you know, we had to try and find a way, you know, we knew the game was, was televised out here, but you know, we wanted to, we wanted to be part of a, you know, a community out here if we, if we could. Um, so we, uh, you know, we, we, when we were relocating, you know, the first one of the first things on the on the list of things to do was to find out where we could actually watch the game. 
Um, we actually stumbled upon a place um, about seven miles north of um, the city of Chicago um, called AJ Hudson's. And um, it was actually before we, we first moved out here, we came out here on a bit of a recce just to sort of see what the, the city was like. And um, as I say, we, we found AJ Hudson's. And as soon as we walked in there, uh, we knew it was a sports bar. We knew that they tele televised the game. Uh, just on the right there on one of the back walls was this massive sort of, you know, 20 foot, 25 foot flag that said Chicago Toffees, Pride of Merseyside. Um, and then we knew then straight away that, you know, we'd found we'd found our new home to, you know, to settle into our new match routine. And it turns out that the uh, the guy that, that owns AJ Hudson's is, is a blue and had actually started the Chicago Evertonians, you know, nearly 20 years ago now, well, over 20 years ago now. So I think, you know, when you are moving away, that that instantly gives you a sense that, you know, you can you can carry on with your obsession and you can carry on, you know, finding a way. And that's now become kind of part of our match day routine. Um, so instead of going to match and maybe going to the Winslow before the game for, you know, for a couple of pints and, you know, going to Chippy before, you know, what we do now is we, you know, we travel down to AJ Hudson's, uh, you know, every, every, every Saturday, we're, you know, we're fortunate that every game is televised out here. So no matter what time of day, you know, we're out there with a, with a, with a group of, you know, loyal, devoted fans, some are expats, some are, you know, like me, some are, you know, some have chosen Everton in, in the way that Jeff and Helga and Tim have described um, and some just sort of kind of wander in and want to know what, what it's, it's, it's all about. So, um, you know, it's, it's really important, you know, as I say, you know, when, when, when Everton means so much to you, you know, having the opportunity and, and, and the, 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 the constant connection is, is, is really important. And you know, one of the things I've, I've kind of learned since I've been out here is, you know, in, we're Evertonians. So, you know, we, we go through the whole range of emotions, you know, Ben's described, you know, was particularly at the moment, you know, we, we haven't had much to sort of shout about, but, you know, the same levels of hope and belief and waking up on that Saturday morning, whether it's 4am or 6am or whatever time it is thinking, you know, we'll, you know, we'll do it today. Uh, you know, it's going to be, it's going to be a good day. That That's still there. Um, but I think the other thing I've noticed, particularly right now as well, is, is you kind of, you know, there's a, there's a sense of sort of, you know, you feel helpless in, in the time, like in the times like this, you know, Ben talked about, the work around generating the atmosphere at Goodison and, and sometimes you can feel a little bit sort of distant and, and helpless because you want to be there, you know, you want to be there in the ground, you want to be there with all your fellow Evertonians screaming and shouting and, and you know, and, and, and really edging them on. But, you know, what, what has been great is that, you know, there is such this, this strong network, not just in Chicago, but right across obviously North America and, and, and other parts of the world. So, you know, you always feel as though, you know, you're part of this sort of Everton family is uh you know, as you, as you watch the game and, you know, I think that's, you know, that's speaks to everything that, you know, the Ben's already talked about, you know, the, the, the connection is there and, and, and once you found your place and you, you group to, to watch the game, then, you know, you, you feel part of the club and, you know, that's, that's what we do out here. Absolutely. And before we move on, Tony, from move away from Chicago, out of interest, how many, how many Evertonians do you have at AJ Hudson's on a, on a match day? Start of the season, it's always really optimistic. I think it's a bit like that at home. I think, you know, we, we could get as many as kind of 50, 60 out. Um, but then obviously that sort of, you know, depends on where commitments as it, as it goes through the year. I would say there's probably a core of about sort of 15 regulars that will be there. Doesn't matter what we're doing, what time of day it is. Um, you know, they're, they're always there. Um, I mean, the good thing about watching Everton early doors as well is, is that you can have a drink, whether it's 6 a.m. Uh, or later on, so it helps you get through some of the some of some of the results. But yeah, there's a, there's a core of about of about fifteen that are there. 
uh, every week. And I think we've got about, um, I think on, on current, I think we've got about 650 members on, uh, on, on current records. So, you know, it's growing all the time. Um, but yeah, uh, 15, 15 to 20 each week that, 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 that go through the game. Absolutely superb, Tony. And so going from Chicago back to Cincinnati, where Jeff Warner is. Jeff, what's it like for you on a on a match day as an Evertonian in Cincinnati? How do you follow the team and and stay in touch? Well, we're uh, we're very fortunate here. Uh, we're we're one of uh, one of the only uh, Premier League. Uh, supporters clubs that have their own exclusive pub. We we don't share it with any other supporters group of of any other club. Um, and and the way that happened was um, there was already a small uh, Toffees group here in Cincinnati, but uh, Adam Frazier uh, taught in Liverpool for a year and fell in love with Everton while he was over there. Uh, then when he came back to Cincinnati, um, he had graduated from Xavier University and he knew the managers of Dana Gardens, which is a, a pub right right off campus. Um, and he talked to them about uh, about showing the Everton matches and uh, and kind of being our, our exclusive place. Um, and they've been absolutely amazing partners um, opening up at 7 a.m., 10 a.m., 1230, whenever. Um, they, the uh, Xavier's a big basketball school, so the only thing that uh, that bumps Everton off the TVs is a Xavier basketball game. Otherwise, nothing else will. Even the NFL playoffs, <laughs> we we get priority. Um, all the TVs have the Everton match on every single TV in the in the place. Uh, there's a flagpole on the top of the the building and every day there's an Everton flag flying every day so if you drive down Dana Avenue and it's which is a pretty busy street you'll see that that uh, big Everton flag flying every day um so it's nice to have our own place um we have about uh, around 100 members uh we have a core group of maybe 10 to 15 that come to most matches uh for for a derby we'll have maybe 35 roughly um but uh it is a uh, it's a it's it's just we're very fortunate because most of the other uh football pubs in cincinnati uh they're showing six seven different matches and the supporters groups for those clubs are are kind of isolated with each other throughout and you have to compete for space and compete for tvs but for us at dana's it is the home it, we call it the cincinnati home of Everton football, uh, of Everton football club. Um, and it's not a, it's not a football, it's not a football pub. It's an Everton pub, as we say. So, uh, we are very fortunate. Uh, and, uh, one of the, one of the best stories real quick that I, it's one of my favorite days that we've had at Dana's was, uh, the, uh, Walcott winner, uh, against Watford, um, on that particular day, we got bumped upstairs because there was a, an important Xavier basketball game. So all of the Xavier fans had the first floor and they, they apologized and said, you guys need to go upstairs. Okay, fine. So we had, we had probably 15 or 20 upstairs and uh, that ball went in and we went absolutely nuts upstairs and the manager came up and he, he was laughing and he said, he's like, you just scared about 200 people on the first floor with your celebration. They thought the ceiling was going to come in. So, uh, but uh, we've had many great days at, at Dana Gardens. <laughs> That's a, it's amazing, Jeff, you know, when you hear people say, you know, well, 
Everton goes ahead, you know, goes before NFL in the US, which is which beggars belief. It really, really does. So going from Chicago, Cincinnati, back to Perth in Australia with Tim. Tim, what's it like for you? I know you've just become a dad, so congratulations from everyone here. What's it like for you on a match day? How do you follow Everton and, and keep up to up to date, shall I say, with all things blue? Uh, yeah, I'll reiterate what Jeff said, because uh, before I moved to Perth, I was in uh, Portland, Oregon, and uh, we were running the um, Portland uh, or the uh, Oregon Evertonians. We, we very much, you know, the West Coast there is, you know, some of those games are 4 a.m. And and I would say what's key to, to getting people together is finding that place uh, where you can where you can gather and get together. So we we, we had um, guys from the beer mongers who would open up for us, you know, sometimes four or seven a.m. and and, uh, and and we would all gather um, and, and then we had a place co- open up called the Toffee Club and the Toffee Club is owned by a, an Evertonian, um, although they cater to everybody um, in the sense of watching football. It's, it's very much an English pub style football. So um, you, you could go and watch a game and, and um, just get that ambiance. I think that you that you might feel um, at an English pub. Um, so that was my experiences in the US and it was great. Um, and we had probably. 10, 10 to 15 people who would show up quite regularly for that. Um, and then moving to Perth, it was, it was a bit of a different experience, um, to be honest. I, I, I felt like people were happy to sit on their couch a bit here. And um, it, granted, some of the games are 3 a.m., 2 a.m. And then everybody cheered when the game was at 8.30. And I think that's like an afternoon game. Everybody was really happy when the afternoon games would come around. Um, but slowly we got the ball rolling. Um, I was able to get the Perth Everton supporters group up and going and we've got a, a core you know six to eight people who always show up found a place uh, that's kind of midtown here in perth that uh, um and um yeah it's it's been really great to see it see people get really interested and see people come from um out of the woodwork in a sense like oh you're we didn't know that um we didn't know that you guys were were watching games regularly. Right? yeah we're, we're always here now and uh, we're trying to establish that in a sense and and it's and people have come from from all over. Um, Perth is a city that's kind of spread out, um, but we tried to choose a, a central location there and 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 hone in. So sometimes we're relegated to places like the casino because the game's at three a.m. and nothing else is open. Um, and so we'll 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 end up watching the bigger games there if they're if they're that kind of a game. But yeah, uh, it does take a bit of dedication to um, to switch gears and and get up early, but. But again, it's it's worth it. You get you get to meet your friends. You get to meet um, uh, Everton family and 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 cheer the Blues, whether they're whether they're playing well or not. It's just been it's been a really great experience. No, people like me and Ben would, would tip our hats off to you for, for getting up at three a.m. to to watch Everton in a casino. That that what you say that is dedication for sure. So from Chicago, Cincinnati, Perth, all the way back to Norway, where Helga is, Norway. What is it like for you then, Helga, in, in Norway, like I say, following Everton and a match day experience? How do you keep in touch? How do you watch the games? Well, we have we have uh, supporter groups spread uh, all over the country, basically. Uh, we're around 670 members. Uh, and we have had pubs uh, who shows, shows the games in, in almost every major city throughout the country. So, so there's people gathering in pubs and we've got Facebook groups where people... Uh, meet up uh, up front and, and uh, obviously during the pandemic it's been difficult but but normally we, we watch the, we'll be able to watch the games in, in 
almost every major city. I, I live on the West Coast in a small city. And even there, we have a group of between 10 to, to 20 people who's a regular in a, in a, in a pizza place, actually, because uh, all the pubs are occupied by some other teams. Uh, and uh, we, we watch the games as, as often as we can. Uh, obviously, we don't, don't have to get up early in the morning to, to see them. We, we are UK K time plus one hour. So so uh, we're all good like that. But uh, but yeah, we, we, we try to get together as often as, as we can to watch the games, obviously. Ben, it's amazing, isn't it? And it doesn't matter how many fans are in these support clubs, from, from Tony, who has, you know, 600 plus in Chicago, to the Tim in Perth, who may only have six or eight turning up in a casino. It's amazing, isn't it, that these people, these Evertonians, just come together to watch Everton play. Yeah, definitely, Mick. It's, it, it really is incredible, the, the correct words that I'd use as well. But I think it's something that I personally feel quite strongly about, that Everton needs to potentially even address more. Um, on a personal level, I get quite frustrated about the club's international strategy and how they develop relations worldwide and how they push the supporters group. Because you look at some of our neighbours, shall we say, and I'm not going to say the names, but the way they do business internationally is extraordinary, really. And it really helps generate revenue, helps generate profits and it helps generate interest. And I, I'm quite glad to see that obviously COVID restrictions have been lifted, etc. And Everton have obviously arranged a pre-season tour in America, which is great news. Um, I do, however, think that the club needs to get behind more continents and try and expand the business support because just by listening to some of the stories from these blues worldwide, it's just, it really is inspiring and they could literally work alongside these groups and other groups and try and push more and more and more, try and build the, the, the brand, shall we say, the club. And Because like they're all saying, once that the people in, in this Zoom chat are saying, once you're involved in Everton, it's very hard to get out because you fall in love very quick. And it's key that you don't just follow this football club, you fall in love with the football club. You, you're getting up early, you, you're talk, telling your mates about the history of Everton, why you follow them and, and speaking so highly and passionately. And that's just unbelievable, amazing. But I do feel like the club needs to obviously act on this and try and build up more um, on an international strategy level. I really, really do think that could be a key part, obviously, the growth in Everton Football Club. And you never know, it could obviously get generate more revenue with how we're hampered by financial fair play. And obviously, COVID has hit us extremely hard with the account. You need to try and maybe source some other ways of expanding the business, expanding the growth, because once you fall in love, like I said, you never fall out of love with this football club. And that, that leads us on to the, to the next topic, guys, and that is international supporters and network. And thoughts on Everton's international strategy as a football club? What works well where you are, where you're based? And what are things that Blues overseas would want to see happen? Or maybe that don't happen when you think they should happen? It's very easy for Evertonians here in the UK, like myself and, and Ben, to just kind of forget you guys and forget what happens and the efforts you have to go through and, and all the experiences that you have to go through to stay in touch with, with our football club. So, Tony, I'll come to you first. I know you're a member of the Everton Fans Forum and I know you've, you've got a big voice and you've got a lot to say. So, what are Everton's international strategy? Where is it going right? Where is it going wrong? What's working well? What's not working well? And what we could do, what could we do better as a football club, like Ben said, to grow our support globally? Yeah, I mean, I think you're right. I think, you know, since I've been on the forum, you know, one of the main things I've been trying to do is to make sure that, you know, this massive 
loyal and devoted fan base kind of isn't isn't forgotten about. Um, you know, and it is integrated within parts, you know, of, of the club's overall strategy. So, you know, that's what I've been kind of trying to do for the last last couple of years. Also, you know, building on the work that lots of other people before me have done. Um, you know, and I think I think it's fair to say, and you know, I knew this one before we moved out to the US, you know, I, I always got the sense that there was kind of a, a local versus international sort of position that Everton were, you know, were 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 kind of not overtly pursuing, but you know, I think the other lot over the park, you know, it was well known that, you know, they had, you know, fans coming in from all over the world and they obviously had a broader international reach, you know, largely because of what was happening, what has happened on the pitch. Uh, and I always, you know, the, the kind of the people's club and everything, I always sent, I got a sense that, you know, we were, we were proud of sort of, you know, talking up sort of like our local credentials. And I get that, you know, I, I grew up in the city and, you know, I know how much that means to people, but... Um, you know, I think you know football is a, is a global business, isn't it? And I think that if Everton's is going to advance, uh, clearly what happens on the pitch is the most important, and that's going to drive everything. Um, but you know, being able to expand and tap into this rich network, you know, across the globe is going to be is going to be really important. And you know, I think you know, in fairness, it's been much more. You know, it's had a it's had a connection with all of these supporters groups around the world for a while and, you know, has, has had contact with those and has looked after them, particularly when they've come to, to the city and visited Goodison. But I think over the last couple of years, it's been very deliberate in, you know, making clear that international is part of, you know, of its, its strategy moving forward. And, you know, some of us on this call have, you know, been fortunate to, you know, been sort of feed into that and, and have, you know, have a little bit of influence and just give the perspective, I think, of, of, you know, what we've been talking about today and what it's like to be a blue overseas and what are the things that we, you know, that we need and, you know, how different and, and, and what is, you know, what, why is that experience different and, and what are the different needs? So, you know, the club's been receptive to that, you know, it's been deliberate and setting out its strategy. You know, we've seen, you know, an expansion of, you know, sort of this international affiliate program, uh, the, you know, the soccer schools program that it's doing, but I'm talking particularly in, in you know, in North America now, obviously, um, you know, last year it came out to Orlando, there's talk of, you know, maybe the club coming out again, you know, this year. So I think I think there are definitely seeds there and, and foundations of sort of expanding, expanding there. I, I think personally that, you know, one of the key things that it needs to do moving forward is is actually sort of really embrace this the existing network because you know you've got to you know you've got to sort of you know work with the foot soldiers if you like you were going to sort of you know drive the brand and you know share all the stories that, that we've got here I, I think obviously that needs to be supported by um, you know a strong commercial strategy um, certainly in in North America you know, the work that the club's been doing with Jürgen Meinke and Pulse Sports to, you know, try and advance that commercial strategy will be, you know, will be a key element of that. And, you know, what I'd love to see is, is seeing that expand, not just within North America, but, you know, other continents around the world. So, you know, look, I, th I think, you know, I think definitely the intent is there and we've seen some really sort of positive signs. I think, I think the club is definitely sort of very clear about how it wants to have more structured dialogue with, you know, the supporters clubs, not just in North America, but, you know, in different parts. Helga can talk about it himself, but, you know, he's been part of this stakeholder supporters group that is, you know, building um, proposals for a fan advisory board and getting fan representation on the board. And the international element has been, has been a big part of it. So, you know, look, people, 
maybe critical of, you know, maybe not capitalising on some of the players we've had in the past, the, the, the Cahills, the Pinars, the, uh, you know, the Tim Howards of, of the world. But, you know, I, I believe now that, you know, through the interaction that we've got, we've got an opportunity to, to keep building it. And I, you know, I just hope as well that on the pitch that, you know, that, that allows us to continue the the great work that, you know, lots of people have been doing in, in the supporter community, but, you know, also where uh, the work that the club's been doing to embrace that. And, and Tony, before we, we move on, Everton have recently announced that they will be having a pre-season tour in America. Last time Everton were in America, they were heavily criticised over such things as like merchandise. There was no merchandise on sale for the Evertonians internationally. And do you think it's that sort of thing that Everton have got to grasp and improve on to really hammer home that Everton want to be a global football club? Yeah, it does definitely. Um, you know, I think uh, when 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 I first got onto the forum, we did a we did a survey of international supporters, and one, you know, I think that the biggest priority, apart from you know connecting with the club and engagement with the supporter community, was 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 improving those retail opportunities. Um, and again, in fairness, you know they have improved. Um, they're now certainly in North America. I'm going to talk about you know Helga's got a different experience. I think in in Norway and other parts of Europe, but. You know, there's definitely been you know advancements you know kits and stuff are more available in a wider range of stores um so i think you know that's all moving in the right direction but you know we want to be in a position where you know you walk into some of the stores out here and you know you, you see all other all other clubs kits and you know you want you want to see you want to see your own clubs there it's not just a sense of pride but as you say mick it's about it's about seizing those commercial opportunities so you know hopefully on the back of you know some of the tours and other things, you know, we can, you know, we can, we can sort of leverage that and, and expand those opportunities. And again, you know, if, if the club does come out there, I mean, I saw the briefing last week in, in the Echo, I don't, I don't think it was completely finalised, but, you know, the, the, all the hints are that they, you know, hopefully they are going to come out here next year. And I think having a presence and being able to raise the brand, uh, being able to tell the evidence history and story is a way that we can do that. And then hopefully that will lead to some of the opportunities around, you know, better better retail experiences and commercial opportunities that, you know, that you talk about. Yeah, and Helga, we'll come to you back in Norway. Tony, just touched on that you have a different experience regarding Everton's retail methods and, and actions <coughs> over in Norway. So what's it like over in Norway? Well, in terms of retail, um, the very, very few items that's on the market is, 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 uh, is very old items and uh, they're, they're very, very expensive. And in terms of buying such a thing as a shirt, uh, there's no shop in the whole of Scandinavia who sell who can sell an, an Everton shirt. So it's a bit of a different experience for us um, on that term. And um, we've been working with, with Tony and, and the club to to address this because obviously, if you want to be be a, a top international club, uh, one of the things that to gain you new supporters is is actually to get a kit. So so that's one of the, th the things that the club has to improve. Uh, a lot, I think, but uh, but um, the different thing with Everton is is that Everton they, they listen to you and, and they want to learn from you. So 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 uh, that's the thing. Uh, the times we've we've had some issues, I've contacted the likes of Tony or, or, or David, uh, the county run bubblers, and uh, and uh, we have addressed the club and 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 they've sat down with us and, and have a chat with us about the, the problem. So. So there's, there's problems to be solved, but uh, I think still think we're going in the right direction, obviously. But uh, but um, we, we still have a few things, but uh, but uh, I'm sure we'll we'll get there in a few years. 
So going from Norway with Helga back to Perth in Australia. Tim, what's it like for you retail-wise at the moment in, in Perth? Are there any Everton merchandise that you can get your hands on? Um, You'd be hard-pressed to find it like in a shop. But with so many UK expats here, it 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 there is a there is some um, as far as like visibility, there is some. Um, I would say that like speaking towards the club engagement and whatnot has come so far. Um, I remember being in in Portland and hunting down and trying to find people to get a hold of at the club to say how how does this how does this Everton stuff work how, how, do you have official supporters clubs and all and all that and now they have a pathway it's it's streamlined and 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 you, you've got somebody to contact and and so when i moved here i already had some of that so i would say it's come a very long way as far as like engagement with the club and the club's done a fairly good job uh of reforming that and getting it to a much better much better place i would say some of the some of the things that I hear about is especially from internationals in the, in the Pacific Asia region here is is the stuff that they offer to give you um, when you become an international supporter or something like that is um, uh, it doesn't really do anything for you. So in the sense of like they, they, they offer you money off of tickets or things like that. And so for an international supporter who's not likely to go every year or um, those types of things aren't that meaningful, where, whereas, you know, seeing the merchandise, seeing things vis visible around you, it would be would be much, much more, um, uh, would, would be better. No, I, I totally understand. So going from Norway, Perth, all the way again, back to Cincinnati, Jeff. Jeff, what are your thoughts on Everton's international strategy and what's it like in, in Cincinnati for, for things such as merchandise and what, what works well? What are the club doing well in Cincinnati where you are? Well, I think we've seen, uh, we've seen a shift in terms of the, um, the club's um, attitudes and approach toward, uh, toward international strategy and growing support and growing the brand internationally. Uh, the fan engagement team with Everton has been, um, engaging and cooperative with us, um, listening to our ideas. Uh, they 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 want to learn. They they want to uh, find ways to expand that brand. And as Tony mentioned, the work that Jurgen is doing out of Miami with Paul Sports, um, Beth Jones and Christine Pryor and, and Mo and, and others with the club that uh, you know will get on Zoom calls with us. Uh, midnight 1 a.m their time to to listen to our ideas to to come up with um concepts such as usa live um talk about the soccer schools talk about merchandising uh there is definitely a shift and i think we all realize the the missed opportunity that this club had when they during the days of tim howard and, and tim cahill uh and landon donovan but um there is a shift and and i think the club is serious about investing internationally particularly in north america um in terms of merchandising uh with um, some of the recent efforts that the club has made uh, with uh, a few retail stores uh, here in the states uh, i've seen a difference uh, just up the street from me uh there's um there's actually a couple of them here in cincinnati a store is called soccer village that sell uh, um, uh, soccer equipment, uh, boots, shirts, 
um, you know, shin guards, uh, but they also sell a lot of a lot of kits, a lot of international kits in, in USA um, men's and women's national team kits. And so now all of a sudden you walk into Soccer Village and you'll see you'll see a whole you'll see a whole rack of of Everton kits. So that that's something that if you go back a couple of years, you you did not see. You might see one or two, um, but um, but now th- th- there is a shift. I think the club is serious about this. Um, the, the affiliate club in New York now, the office uh, out of Miami, uh, the soccer schools are a great way to build visibility. Uh, and we're hearing that they're going to uh, allow the local Everton supporters groups to kind of get involved with the soccer schools if they are in their city uh, to help. Uh, um, maybe if it's something as simple as handing out scarves, but, uh, uh, you know, the kids are playing soccer. Maybe we can get the parents and the kids to be blues. Um, but, uh, there, there is a shift. Uh, there's been a big change, I think over the past uh, year or two, and, and we're starting to, we're, we're starting to see that. Tony, feel free. Yeah, cheers. I just wanted to to build on something there that that, that that I think everybody's touched on, but I think I think if you're going to really pursue an international strategy, it's really important that you, as I say, tap into your core. I think there was a lot of excitement recently when you know, obviously, when we bought Hammers and there was a massive splash in sort of you know real growth and opportunities around potentially the South America market, and there's no question that those opportunities give you both short term opportunities to you know sort of capitalize from that but you know also sort of establish longer term relationships but at the end of the day you know it's still going to come back to the people that are going to help drive that brand and build that knowledge and you know their experiences and love of the club and I think that you know what I believe is really important is that the club continues to embrace the existing network and because at the end of the day they're going to be the ones that will always be here and you know some not not everybody will and you know if the you know there was a a huge influx even in chicago of sort of you know um colombian supporters but you know he moves on and kind of the less interested and we're not doing so well so having a sustainable strategy is is really important and again i think we've been fortunate in north america you know as i say we've we're kind of all sort of you know obviously different time zones but we're kind of on the same in the same part of the world and you know we're in, in in the same geography so we've been able to kind of organize ourselves a slightly different kind of in Europe and and obviously Asia where you know where Tim is but I know that you know the the club is now looking to formalize that engagement with sort of the different regions around the world you know similar to what we've seen in North America and I just I just want to say I think I think that's going to be really important so looking forward to you know that I think that will result in the club being able to hear again even more directly you know how the experiences and the needs and and what have you are, are different for, for different parts of the world because understanding that is going to help inform their strategy and put it in an even better place. No, absolutely, Tony. It's it's really, really important. It's something that the club are clearly working very, very hard on. And Ben, just moving away from that for a moment, Everton obviously have announced the pre-season in the US. How important is it for you or important how you feel that Everton do attack these sort of things on the front foot pre-season in the US? A target audience that is enormous, you know, like we said, commercially, Revenue, there's so much to attack there, isn't there? And Everton have got to get it right. You're on mute, Ben. Sorry, mate. Apologies. Um, 
Yeah, I, I honestly do think we've got to attack it. It's just head-on, spearheaded going forward, because like everyone's just stated before, we missed a massive, massive trick um, a few years back when we did the pre-season tour. I think we had, like the people have said, that uh, Tim Howard, Landon Donovan, Tim Cale, international superstars, shall we say, who did it on the world scale. And Everton missed the boat in regards to, obviously, I think you mentioned it before, Mick, that we went to America and didn't take any merchandise with us, didn't try and push it, didn't try and look to expand and it's, it's ended up biting us um, in, in a bad place. And it, we can't make the same mistake twice. And we need to go there and we need to try and expand and try and gain more fans. Because uh, as someone said, born, not manufactured, it's, in your, it's in, your, in your genetics, your genetic makeup. And you can find these Evertonians who maybe just haven't really got an, an interest in football. And when you get speaking to them, they might come and watch an Everton game and their genetic makeup genetic makeup would just be like yeah I love this club I love the fan base you'll have scousers going over there you have international fans flying over there to watch uh, to watch Everton you'll be able to be up against probably some of the, the biggest sides who and these Americans might be able to go and decide who they want to go and support but I can guarantee you if they go over there and speak to Everton fans and um, pe- people from Liverpool people from Australia people from Norway all over the all over the world, they'll form a bond which can't be broken. And as I said, Evan, I keep I feel like I'm repeating myself, but the bond and the genetic makeup of an Everton fan is completely different because we follow this football club home and away, internationally, getting up at all, all hours and following them. And back in the corner, you look at Twitter. You look at when we're going through bad times. I think Tony's touched upon it before. We've had such a bad season, but the 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 power and the effect of the Twitter spaces, for example, you know, we, we run our own Twitter space every now and again. And for me, some of the strongest, the most powerful guests and speakers that we've had on have been from over the pond in America and they spoke so well and they literally know football inside and out really good statistically. And they've only been following Everton for a number of years. They haven't, they haven't, we weren't born up with it, but they've adapted our culture. They've adapted our ethos. And there's going to be thousands and thousands and thousands of more people like that who maybe just need that extra nudge to really grasp how special this football club is because, like I said again earlier, we're so unified at the moment and the platforms are there now. So Everton needs to utilise these platforms, look to utilise the supporters club and try and get behind like the podcasts and other podcasts and the spaces because it's the community and the word of mouth where our football club definitely succeeds. But it's a big, big opportunity this week and I'm, I'm hoping... I'm praying they don't miss it. They need to really go there and really go on the attack, on the pitch and off it. <laughs> no, you were pretty much describing the next person to come up, and that's Jeff. Jeff has clearly stated earlier on in this podcast that you know he did he did a lot of research before picking his football club, and ultimately his final decision was with Everton. So, Jeff, my question to you is: local, the international. There's always that kind of monkey on people's shoulders, you know, monkey off the back, and. People say, well, you know, you're not a local, you're not a Scouser, so you're not a true Evertonian. And that, that's kind of a, a football generic opinion, unfortunately. And that, that is something that has got to shift, and it is shifting. There is no doubt about that. So local v international, it doesn't matter to me, and I'm sure it doesn't matter to Ben from a view from the Bullins, and it shouldn't matter to any of you guys from around the world. So do you notice or do you feel that there is a local v international divide, Jeff? Well, it's it's interesting because one of the one of the things I liked about Everton is that they were very provincial or are very provincial. Um, because at the end of the day, I was choosing an English football club to support. I was not choosing an American team. Um, so I 
I, re- I loved how ingrained Everton uh, is in, in the culture of the city of Liverpool, the history of the city of Liverpool, um, and how the fan base embrace that and how it's kind of a, kind of an us against us against the world kind of mentality. I actually liked that. Um, but then the longer you follow the club and the more you kind of see the missed opportunities that were there, you saw that how that could be a, a detriment to the growth of the club, the growth of the brand of supporters of, of opportunities for additional revenue streams. And then you realize that it really, that kind of attitude held the club back. Um, But in terms of the fan base, I I can count on one hand, the, 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 the comments that I've gotten where you're not, you're not from here uh, that it it, it very, very rarely uh, do I hear that. Uh, And I certainly don't hear that when I'm in Liverpool um the the blues there absolutely embrace the fact that i flew 4000 miles to watch that club um that i've embraced the club that i've embraced the city of liverpool that um they 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 absolutely they absolutely love it and and will do anything for you while you're in the city offer you any sort of help i have story after story of of the help that that people in Liverpool have, have, have given me when I've been there. Um, so no, I, I don't, I've never felt like an outsider supporting Everton, not at any moment. Uh, the, the comments that you get like that on social media, um, are so few and far between that, uh, I've never been made to feel like an outsider supporting Everton. I've, I've been, I felt nothing but part of the blue family. Um, globally and in and, and every respect. And, and rightly so, Jeff. And, and Helga in, in Norway, obviously on social media, people laugh and, and point fingers when flights come in from, from Scandinavia and go to watch Liverpool at, at Anfield. So do you feel there's a divide at all, the local, the international? I think it was more of that before. I mean, uh, now that social media has come around, it's... it's uh, it's a thing of the past, isn't it? Um, I have a funny story about this actually from the club because a few years ago, uh, it must have been 15 to 18 years ago or something like that, um, the club sold a, a T-shirt in the shop that was which a, a blue and a red football player on them. And under the, the blue players, it says low. Uh, and back then on the blue kip forum, I think it was, um, this photo was posted and somebody posted a link to our supporters club. And uh, uh, and the day after, I had people calling from the club to apologize, uh, telling that they're sorry. We, we, we pulled that off the shelves now. It's not for sale anymore. Uh, so <laughs> I think I, I think it's a, it's, a, it's a thing of the past, really. Um, I think most Evertonians understand now that the that Everton is a global thing. It's not a thing uh, within the the uh, Liverpool city limit city borders, uh, so it's it's a thing of the past. I mean, it's okay. This this occasional stuff, but uh, nah. In general, it's 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 a it's a thing of the past of the past. That and Tony back in Chicago. Obviously, you were born in Liverpool, born and raised in Liverpool. 
now live in Chicago. So if anyone's going to know that there's a, a local v international divide, it's it's you. Have you noticed or ever seen a divide amongst the Evertonians locally v internationally? I mean, I think I think it's certainly been you know a discussion. I think, as I said earlier, I think I think there was a bit of positioning going on, and Helga's example is a good one of that. Where you know, I think you know we we were always proud to sort of consider ourselves you know you know the originals you know from the city and you know the the highest proportion of people that lived in the city supported Everton, and, that, and I think there was a sense of pride in that. Um, but I would agree with what Jeff and others have said. It, it feels as though things have really, really moved on, and, and I'm made up to to see that and hear that. And you know, the you only don't have to look at you know the people that visit the city. You know, Jeff and Helga were are great examples of that recently. Where you know, I mean, if you sort of followed what they were doing, you know, over a course of three or four days in the city, and um, you know, all you saw was them sort of being embraced by by everybody, and um, you know obviously around and connected with Everton, but also, you know, around the city. And I think that speaks volumes as to, you know, how things have moved on. And as I said earlier, you know, if, if we're going to be serious as a football club uh, about advancing our reach, then, you know, we're, we're going to have to embrace this. And, you know, at the end of the day, if you're an Evertonian, you're an Evertonian, and, you know, that'll do for me. Absolutely agree. So, so that kind of brings us to a natural close. And now it's the rest of the season. A few cup finals left, for sure, in the Premier League for Everton to, to keep our Premier League status. Tim, I'll, I'll come to you in, in Perth. Your thoughts on the rest of the season? It's been a difficult season, there's no doubt about that. But like we said, there's now seven, eight cup finals for, for this team. What are your thoughts on the rest of the season? How are we going to fare? Here's the thing, being a positive blue isn't isn't really a thing, I've, I've learned, but, but I tend to be. So um, I guess I'll say that I think the idea that um, you were going to hire a manager that uh, had formerly had come from Liverpool and it just wasn't a fit. And I think the move to get Frank and the move to um, get us out from where we are, um, I think it's been good. I, I think it will come to fruition as well um, and be a, you'll, you'll be see a lot better tactics and other things moving forward. And I think that with the guts that they've shown recently, um, that if you continue to see that type of performance um, where you're giving, where they're giving it their all, you may not win every game, but when you see like a, like a blue fan, will tell you all we want is heart. We want to see the heart left on, on the pitch. And if you do that, um, you're, you will, we'll be fine. We, we will fight and we will, claw we will get our we will get our way up it's never nice to be um to be behoven to other clubs to do things for you and we're not yet in that position we have the ability to go out win some games get enough points to to take it on our own and not have to worry and i really do believe that that's what's going to happen mm, and jeff back in cincinnati what are your thoughts on the rest of the season and what is the generic feeling where you are regarding frank lampard's tenure so far well, I think, um, you know, the irony is as much as we we talk about Goodison Park and we talk about the fortress that, that Goodison can be and we talk about how the fans are what make Everton special, um, here we are in a situation where it's going to be Goodison Park and it's going to be the fans who are going to, who are going to save us this season. 
Um, those are the matches that are going to keep us up. Um, I don't know that the road form is going to change uh, that quickly. Um, I hope it does, um, even if it just means salvaging a point or two. Um, but it's the home matches that are going to save us. It's going to be Evertonians that are going to save us um, because they're going to be the ones who are going to lift the team. It's going to be Goodison Park that's going to save us. Um, with with just a, a couple years left in uh, in Goodison Park's uh, Goodison Park's history, um, but I I really I I know this is this there's kind of mixed feelings on this subject, but um, I, I for one feel very very confident uh, in Frank Lampard and the staff that he's built around him um, to the point where as as difficult as it will be for for us to secure safety. Um, I'm, I'm confident that he will, but beyond that, I'm also very confident that if, and and I, I believe we will be safe. I think we're still, I think all of us are still in kind of that, that worrisome mode um, where we kind of understand the, the gravity of our, of our situation. Um, but if Frank and the staff keeps us up, I, I see this as a turning point for Everton Football Club. And I believe that Frank Lampard and that staff um, have have the quality to to now finally take this football club forward and finally give us the stability that we haven't had for years and years. I also am hopeful that the situation that the club finds itself in will be a wake up call for the owner a wake-up call for the board, a wake-up call for Everton Football Club in every facet that things need to be done differently, that we're not too big to go down, that we're not too special to go down, that life in the Premier League is a precarious thing that I think maybe we've taken for granted because we haven't faced it. Uh, We haven't faced that serious relegation battle in, in, in several years. Um, and, and now here we are with all of this at stake. Um, but it's going to be Goodison and, and I'm confident that the fans will come through. They'll lift the team. They'll lift the players. I'm confident in Frank and the staff and it's going to be Goodison park. That's, that's going to pull us through one way or another. Jeff's confident. Helga, Helga back in Norway. What's the generic feeling amongst Evertonians there? And and what is the generic feeling regarding Frank Lampard's tenure so far? Well, I, I think uh, I think Frank Lampard is, was a was a good signing for us, a uh, young manager, which is which can can do great things at the club. Um, but obviously, coming in the way he did. Um, Heritaging a, a, a squad of players that is has absolutely no confidence whatsoever. It's 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 tough. Uh, I, I think we'll stay up. Uh, I really do think we will. Um, so so there's there's no point in 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 believing in anything else because I, I think we will stay up. Uh, but uh, but uh, there's a massive job to to be to be done in the summer uh, for Frank Lampard. But I think he's 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 the, he's the right man to to take this club forward, and uh, hopefully. The owner of the club has, has learned that he shouldn't be inter- interfering in the in the the way the, the club is run, uh, especially in, uh, nothing to do with the football side of it. 
Tony, back in Chicago, Helger in Norway says that Lampard is the right man and it, it will happen and Everton will stay up. What is the generic feeling again in Chicago regarding Everton's season, the running and Frank Lampard's tenure so far? <laughs> I was enjoying this conversation until he, start, he started talking about the football. Um, I don't know. I, I really don't know. Um, you know, I think... One thing we're really good at is, is, is hope, isn't it, at Everton? And, and it feels like, you know, I think I remember the feeling I got after that it was the Spurs game for me um, was 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 the one that I, you know, it really sort of hit me hard in terms of the scale of the job that, that we had. There was obviously other moments before that, but that one I just thought, I didn't remember feeling that like that and before. And the last time was was when was when Arsenal did us, um, you know, when Tony Adams scored. He beat us 4-0 you know, before that game in Coventry in 98. So, uh, you know, that uh, it felt low there. I agree with Jeff. I think I think our home form is is obviously the, is the key factor. Um, you know, and the work that everyone's done to sort of, you know, rally um, you know, the crowd and get behind the team has been absolutely fantastic in, in, in doing that. And I hope that that continues, not just for this season, but, you know, but beyond. I think we've seen a few glimpses of, of you know, of, of the hope and, and maybe how we can maybe sort of pull, pull something out the bag. Um, but, you know, there's no denying it's it's going to be a really, really difficult one. I just hope that we can maybe get a little bit of consistency uh, at home so that we can, you know, that we that we can do that and and hopefully give us a little bit of confidence. I think we've been saying this, haven't we, for a long, long time, but, you know, the next game is massive. Um, but, you know, whether we, you know, if that can help us maybe string two wins together, then, you know, maybe that's going to be the point at which we can, you know, we can really get that belief in ourselves on the pitch. So I'm not going to make any predictions, um, a little bit superstitious like that. But, you know, I, again, I'll, I'll, I'll go back to what I said. I, I just hope that we can, we can do this because obviously the ramifications, are, you know, are massive. And, and I would agree, I think in the summer, there's a, a real opportunity for the club. Um, to really reflect on on where it goes from here, whatever situation we believe in, and you know, I, I, I've been quietly impressed with Frank. Um, I haven't agreed with all, everything, all the decisions that he's made on the pitch and some of the formations and you know some of the substitutions. But you know, he's, he's the man in charge, and you know we're going to have to get you know get behind him. I think he speaks really well. Uh, I think his connection with the supporters has been outstanding. Uh, you know, and hopefully that's something that we can we can build off and and you know. Your, your your next series of pods next season, we're still talking about a Premier League club. Yeah, absolutely, Tony. And that's all we've got time for this evening. Again, thanks to Tony Sampson from Chicago, Jeff Warner from Cincinnati, Tim Olsen from Perth in Australia, and Helga Grunvag from Norway. And obviously, Ben Wynn Stanley here in Liverpool. We hope you've enjoyed the show, the Everton International Podcast. We'll be looking to do this again very, very soon. Thanks to all the panel for choosing a view from the Bullings and coming on and giving us their experiences of being an Evertonian overseas. It's all eyes on the running now for Everton and it's must stay up at all costs. In the meantime, enjoy the back holiday weekend. Have a great weekend. Enjoy the weather and we'll see you very soon. Take care and all the very best. Thank you. <laughs>